This is the Rocky Mountain Review Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson. And I'm your other co-host, Julia Badalese. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, the live news show that airs 4 to 5, Tuesday and Thursday, on KCSU that has turned into a podcast. And this is what you missed this week. I'm joined in here with my co-host, Gabe Peterson. How's it going? Not bad. Um, and we have J.D. Layton, our national news correspondent. Always here. Oh, this is true. Um, and uh, Seth Bodine, one of our reporters. I don't know if we've given you a specific title. <laughs> I have so many. I thought... um, that's true. You did it. You did your first like I'm... field report for us, so we yeah. could call you our field reporter. Okay. Although I think it has to be a re- I recurring like thing. <laughs> I like that title. Okay, field report. I like it. I like it. We making we make things up on the spot all the time. Always. Uh, <laughs> just constantly. Um, Anyway, yeah, just to give the rundown for today, we have local news coming up soon with a story on Hickenlooper, as well as a shooting here in Colorado, and a story on human trafficking, as well as a car assault, um, and Colorado lost another deputy. Um, after that, we're going to have a sports segment done by uh, our own J.D. Layton, um, stepping in for our sports guy, Bjorn Larson. I'm no Bjorn Larson. I'll just say that. You did good, though. I, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a national and global news later with a um, story on the memo that everyone has been talking about, um, as well as China, the story on the Amtrak chain in South Carolina, uh, and the uh, tsunami East Coast warning. is going to get hit by a tsunami. We'll see later in the show. We'll see later in the show what's going to (laughs) happen. Find out next week. (laughs) Find out next week. (laughs) To be continued. Um, As well as a music segment coming up later with uh, our own music director, Monty Daniel. Um, Then we'll be talking about the Charlie Kirk and the protests that happened on Friday uh, later, which we had a wonderful pre-record by Seth Bodine. Um, And then uh, everyone's favorite segment. Weather. Weather. I was hoping everyone would say it together, but I realized oh. that I didn't communicate that. And, um, that could just be our new catchphrase, like, weather. 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 There we go. Just like in any type of dead space, just weather. <laughs> weather. Weather. All right. Well, we're going to go straight into local news. I'm going to send it right over to Gabe. Well, thank you, Julia. Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper is debating whether or not to release nearly 40 people that are in prison for nonviolent marijuana crimes, reports John Frank of the Denver Post. The decision is is in response to recent Democratic administrators in San Diego and San Francisco and their decision last week to wipe clean criminal records that only have marijuana-related charges now that pot is recreational in the state of California. Hickenlooper also told the Denver Post this week, quote, right now we have not enough room left in our prisons. So if, so if what these people are serving serious time for wasn't violent, it is no, is no longer illegal, maybe we should be looking at whether it's safe to release them. This is not the first time Hickenlooper has advocated for more lenient charges regarding marijuana. As in November, Hickenlooper issued pardons <laughs> to seven people convicted of marijuana possessions, reports the Denver Post. Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I'm going to send it over to Julia now and she will talk. Yeah, be better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sp- suspects have not yet been identified in two separate reports of drive-by shootings in Loveland this past weekend. The two shootings happened only 15 minutes from one another, and no one was hurt due to the shootings, reports Cassanid Ringhouse of the Colorado Inn. 
Both incidents happened around 9.20 on Saturday evening, the first hitting uh, the glass door to a home and the other hitting a parked car. Police say that the shootings appeared to be random and that there did not seem to be any connection between the two shootings either. A red Jeep was said to have been seen at both shootings, though there was not there has not yet been said if the Jeep is connected with the crime. Police have not given any further information to the public at this time, but if you have any information, feel free to call Detective Brian Koopman at 970-962-2248. And then it's going back to Gabe. Oh, well, thank you, Julia. <laughs> In an effort to tackle human trafficking in northern Colorado, Fort Collins and Larimer County law enforcement conducted a sting to catch 444 individuals believed to be involved with prostitution. Saji Hindi of the Colorado Inn reports that these men all responded to various escort ads on certain websites. 21 of those men agreed to meet in specific spots and agreed on exchanging sexual favors with the solicitors, according to the Fort Collins Police Services report. The 21 men arrived at the locations and were met by police. They were then given citations and released. Fort Collins police conduct large-scale large sting operations several times a year, according to Fort Collins Police Services spokeswoman Kate Kimball. Officer Rob Nabb, a member of Fort Collins Police Neighborhood Enforcement Team, said, quote, Many citizens don't believe prostitution or human trafficking is an issue in northern Colorado. Operations like this indicate otherwise, reports Saja Hindi of the Coloradoan. Yeah, that's for me. I didn't think that they did large-scale investigations Thing. like that. And it seems that, you know, every time they do it, just hundreds of people are always involved in this. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's... Uh, it's a big problem, Yeah, I would say, yeah. everywhere I'm, in the for world. For sure. I'm glad that they're taking steps to correct it. And also, the word sting is like one of the greatest words it is. in I the like English that. dictionary. I love like it. Every time I hear it, I'm just stung. like... Conducted a sting. <laughs> I don't think you heard. What, okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, back over to back over to you, Julia. The news. Um, the suspect of a hit and run against an officer said to have attempted to run him down in Longmont um, has been arrested here in Fort Collins. 47-year-old Richard Jeffs was taken into custody yesterday after the officer that was hit tried to speak to Jeffs after recognizing him from an internal investigation bulletin, reports Fox 31 in Denver. Jeffs then got into his vehicle and backed into the officer before driving away, and police had a warrant out for his arrest. The officer sustained injuries to his ankle and had a fractured shoulder. Police stated that the suspect was originally wanted for forging checks, but last week had 10 warrants out against him, including vehicular assault and assault in the first degree to a peace officer. Nine News reports that Jeffs was booked in the Boulder County Jail. Wow. I know, that Ten was wild. warrants. I know. It's absurd. Um, and it was already for, like, what, vehicular hit and runs or something? That's dude, crazy. Is this guy trying to collect them all? <laughs> I, was, I don't know. He was That's like, a lot. how many can we achieve? Hmm. Um, anyway, we will be sending it over to Seth for the story on the uh, deputy that died recently in Colorado Springs. So uh, in a shooting in Colorado Springs, three law enforcement and a bystander were wounded and one law enforcement was killed. On the 11th anniversary of working on the job, 34-year-old Deputy Micah Flick was uh, the one casualty yesterday in the shootout. The shooting began as a vehicle theft investigation, reports USA Today in Denver, but quickly turned into a car chase ending in a shooting. A neighbor nearby described the scene. Uh, 52-year-old Jason Adams described the sounds of the gunshots to be synonymous with the sounds of a war zone. One of the suspects 
involved in the shootings was pronounced dead at the scene. The Colorado Springs officer was rushed to the hospital and was taken into surgery and in stable condition while there, while there wasn't any new information on the other two deputies shot. This is the third deputy killed in the last 40 days in Colorado. Uh, USA Today also reports that Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper released a statement calling the death, quote, a senseless act of violence, also stating that he wants every officer and deputy to know that as a community, we are grateful for their service. Absolutely. Thank you, Seth. Uh, we are going to go over to sports now with our uh, fill-in sports reporter, J.D. Lake. <laughs> I am your substitute sports guy. We'll just hop right into track and field. CSU's men's track took 17th place in USTFCCCA rankings this week. That's a mouthful. Yes, it is. Uh, the Rams completed this <laughs> last... Sorry, sorry, you hit so many pitches there that it was really It was distracting. a lot. The Rams competed this last weekend in the CU Invitational. There were notable performances from the distance athletes Grant Fisher and Cole Rockhold, who currently hold the 22nd rank in the 3,000 meters and the 12th in the one mile. On the women's side, freshman Destiny Rocker took first in the 60-meter hurdles with a personal best of 8.37 seconds and placing her at third in CSU's all-time list. CSU men's track team gears up for its two most competitive meets of the season, the Don Kirby Invitational and the Husky Classic, both of which starts on Friday. Moving on to basketball, the CSU men's basketball team suffered its sixth loss in a row this Saturday after losing at home to Nevada Wolfpack 67-76. The Rams are now 10-15 on the season and only have three wins in conference play. This loss comes at a time of uncertainty as head coach Larry Eustace is subject of a university investigation into his conduct towards his players and staff. The team is scheduled to play Air Force Falcons tonight in Colorado Springs. The CSU women's basketball team took fourth, took its fourth Mountain West victory while overcoming Nevada with a final score <laughs> of 65-59. to 59. Sorry. This is the 12th consecutive win over Nevada. The women's team returns to Moby this Wednesday to face off against the Air Force Falcons. In tennis, Colorado State's women's tennis team triumphed over Western Michigan on Saturday after taking a loss to Nebraska on Friday. The Rams will travel once again on Friday, February 10th, for three matches in Las Vegas against UC Riverside, Youngstown State, and fellow Mountain West member UNLV. Thank you, J.D. I am not Bjorn Larson. I, <laughs> That's okay. No, you did a you, great job. You read it so enthusiastically. It was very, uh, the you U- almost U- got into U-T-F-C-C-C-A it. The UTFCCCA. Let's just go over that one more time. <laughs> one the more USTFCCCA. Hmm. I believe it's the U.S. Track and Field Cross Country Coaches Association. There you go. Which is also a mouthful, but I feel like it's more difficult to read it as just letters. Yeah, we did a great job, J.D. <laughs> read it as just letters. <laughs> and now we're right. on a break. Yes, we are on a break. We'll be coming back in just a second with our national and global news, as well as our music segment by um, our external music director, Monty Daniel. Um, So stay tuned. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
and welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Um, we are going to get back into the news. We're going to go into national and global news. I'm going to send it over to Seth. All right. So uh, only days after a memo accusing the FBI of committing surveillance abuse in the earliest stages of the Russian investigation, the House Intelligence Panel voted to allow the Democrats to release a memo in response, according to a tweet from the Associated Press. The Nunez, the Nunez memo was allowed to be publicly re- released by the president by President Donald Trump last week, which discredited the FBI's investigation into links between Trump and Russia, reports Elise Vibeck and Shane Harris of the Washington Post reported. Uh, Trump said the memo was, quote, totally vindicated him from the Russia investigation, and some believe that he will try to use this information to either fire special counsel Robert Mueller or Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who oversees the Russia probe. Statement from GOP lawmakers have countered the president's belief that this memo will end the Russia investigation, with both Representative Trey Gowdy of South Carolina and Speaker of the House Paul Ryan saying that they do not believe the investigation is affected at all. The memo accused the FBI of unjustly obtaining a warrant to surveil former Trump campaign Carter Page under the advisement of Steele, of the Steele dossier, uh, which was funded by the Democratic National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign. Democrats have crafted a response memo, which was passed by the House Intelligence Panel on Monday night, which will be publicly released in President Trump if President Donald Trump does not block it. Senate Minority Leader Charles E. Schumer is arguing the president uh, to urging <laughs> Schumer is urging the president to allow the memo to go public, saying the blocking, saying that blocking it would quote confirm the American people's worst fears that the release of Chairman Nunes's uh, memo would only intent was only intended to undermine Special Counsel Bob Mueller's investigation. The author of that memo, Representative Adam B. Schiff of California, described Nunez, the Nunez memo as a tool to, quote, undermine and discredit the FBI and discredit the special counsel investigation. Thank you, Seth. All right. And then we're going to send it over to J.D. China has called out the United States for its shift towards increasing and modernizing its nuclear arsenal. China is calling this deterrence method as a return to a, quote, Cold War mentality, reports BBC News. On Friday, the Pentagon released a nuclear posture review which advocated for increasing the amount of low-yield nuclear missiles, continuing the Obama administration's modernization of of the current U.S. arsenal, and a return to sea-based nuclear cruisers. China firmly denounces the Pentagon's review as one of the primary reasons for the review was to mitigate the threat of China through nuclear deterrence. The Chinese Defense Ministry stated that the U.S. has overstated the threat of China's own nuclear arsenal, which is only for defensive purposes. The ministry also stated, quote, We hope that the United States will abandon its Cold War mentality, earnestly assume its special disarmament responsibilities, correctly understand China's strategic intentions, and objectively view China's national defense and military buildup. But the U.S. has called out China as well for its increase in its of its sizable arsenal. 
Russia and Iran have also called out the U.S. and accused this shift in nuclear policy as a global warmongering. Hmm. Cold War mentality. It's not the first time China's done it. I doubt yeah. it'll be the last. Right. Well, thank you, J.D. All right, now some news on the uh, Amtrak train. On Sunday in Case, South Carolina, there was a train collision that resulted in roughly 100 people injured, as well as two deaths. Darren Simon of CNN reports that this was the fourth fatality to occur with an Amtrak train since the beginning of December. The National Transportation Safety Board is investigating three of the collisions that occurred in that time frame, which includes the one from this past weekend. Simon reports that the two people that died were Amtrak employees. The train they had been working on, Amtrak Train 91, collided with a CSZ freight train. According to NTSB Chairman Robert Sumwalt, the train should have continued straight along the tracks going southbound. Somehow, the rail had been set manually into the same rail, sliding into the CSX train, which was parked. The crash happened at about 2.35 a.m. Sunday. John Bacon of USA Today reports that the Amtrak engineer, Rich Kempf, one of the two people who died in the crash, in addition to the uh, Amtrak train's conductor, Michael Sella, had told his uh, brother he was concerned about his safety before the crash occurred. Kempf had expressed his concerns to his brother, Rich, who told the New York Daily News, saying that his brother always voiced, quote, concern about getting killed. According to Meg Kennard of the Associated Press, some new developments came out Monday after the National Transportation Safety Board spent their second day at the crash site investigating. According to National Transportation Safety Board Chairman Robert Summelt, this crash could have been avoided with a GPS-based system that's called positive train control. This system knows the location of all trains, as well as the position of all the area switches, which can prevent two trains from traveling along the same track simultaneously. The Federal Railroad Administration said the system could be, quote, single, the single most important rail safety development in more than a century. There has been no explanation as to why this train in South Carolina did not have this safety measurement in place. So many train crashes in the past few months. Yeah. I know. A big one a few months ago. Yeah, in Seattle. Like mm -hmm. In Seattle. Yeah. It seems a bit ridiculous at this point. They're trains. They should be on tracks, not off. Yeah. No, I know, but that GPS thing. You make thing, it sound I, so simple. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is as simple as that. If you if your trains are on tracks, they're not crashing. Yeah. I don't know. It's not my. Put me in does, charge. I just wonder if Put Europe has this. Run these trains. Does Europe have this trouble with all these train crashes? I don't know. It no. sounds like they that, have it no. done. It's more of a priority yeah. there, I would say, though, yeah. than it is yeah. here. True. It's more of like a. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go on a train today, and yeah. you wake up in Europe, and it's just like that's what you have to do. <laughs> Anyways, right. J.D., talk to us about the tsunami. Ah, yes. Earlier today, many along the East Coast received a warning from the National Weather Service. A warning of an imminent tsunami. However, this was only a test, reports NBC New York. The tsunami warning was meant to test the system, but users who received the alert said it was difficult to find out if it was an actual warning or not. The scenario is reminiscent of the missile alert that went out to Hawaii earlier in January. It's crazy. You got to say, like, test, right? Like, when you hear, like, the when it starts beeping on your TV, it says, this is a test. Like, that's the first thing you have to say. Yeah, you can't say like, oh, okay. tsunami warning and then the parentheses, like, in the yeah. link. It says, just kidding. I guess that's someone, just kidding. someone else will get fired. <laughs> yeah. From that. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just, I, yeah, I would probably be terrified to be like, well, I guess I'm going to die. I might as well go back to bed. I mean, yeah, with might everything. Well go back to bed. The fires, well the sleep. hurricanes, everything. Yeah. Once you see like a natural disaster coming, you get scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, that's going to wrap up national and global news. We are going to head into our music segment done by our own external music director, Monty Daniel. Um, and she's going to talk about uh, the band Nadine. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be coming up right now. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Art pop is not a genre that I typically gravitate towards, but the album Oh My by Nadine somehow caught my attention. Nadine is composed of lead singer from down-tempo band Phantom Posse, Nadia Hewlett, as well as instrumentalists Julian Fader and Carlos Hernandez, who are both from indie band Ava Luna. There's variety and uniqueness in each track that is truly remarkable. In the song Not My Kind of Movie, her vocals resemble an old-timey jazz singer while that neon sign is sad, personal, and down to earth. Yeah, I've been tied up inside of old ideas And haven't seen the light for a while till I got Other songs like Nook and Ultra Pink are upbeat and easy to dance to with mixtures of robotic and organic sounds. Nadine's lyrics are poetic and reflect on different periods of time. Each one seems to be a memory told to you by a good friend. Some from amazing times of our life and others being from our lowest moments. The experimentation with various culminations of interesting sound bites and the duality of being stripped down yet not revealing everything is what strikes me as the most intriguing part of this album. On the day of their release, Nadine said, completing this cycle was the great journey of my little soul so far. Really, it's about a person learning to let themselves create. We are all here to create and we all have unique abilities with which to do so. It is up to us to learn them and to use them. We can be medicine. By giving you little snippets of their life, Nadine perpetually leaves you hanging on for more. And all I can say is, oh my. For the Rocky Mountain Review, I'm Monty Daniel. And thank you, Monty Daniel. She's our uh, external music director here. Um, anyway, we are going, that was the end of the music segment. We will be going into a very quick break, but we will be returning pretty soon with um, our little roundtable discussion on Charlie Kirk and the protests, as well as a uh, wonderful pre-record done by Seth Bodine, our uh, field reporter. Um, anyway, you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. G here. Does Friday evening roll around and you realize you simply don't have a life? Maybe work has been dragging you down all week long? Perhaps you simply can't keep a healthy sleep schedule to save your life? Well, you're in luck. 
because the only real cure is jamming out to bands like Pup, Modern Baseball, and the Front Bottoms on the Work in Progress, Friday, 5 to 7, here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. These were the sounds heard as what started as peaceful protests against a speaking event featuring a founder of a conservative nonprofit turned to a violent clash between white nationalists and Antifa on Friday night. The event that attracted protesters featured Charlie Kirk, the founder of a conservative nonprofit called Turning Point USA. The organization aims to organize students on college campuses to promote conservative policies. He was invited to speak at CSU by the local chapter of the organization, and more than 500 attended the event. By the end of the night, white nationalists were chased off the CSU campus by members of Antifa and other protesters after altercations started on the CSU plaza. I am a representative of the Colorado State University Police Department. I hereby declare this to be an unlawful assembly, and in the name of the people of the state of Colorado, demand all those assembled at this location to immediately disperse. Multiple witnesses say people were hurt on both sides of the fight that broke out. Authorities with riot gear and a canine unit followed the crowd attempting to keep the group separate and ordered people to disperse. While police attempted to break up the beginnings of a riot, smaller scale fights broke out as the groups moved west across campus. CSU PD made no arrests during the clash, and there were no arrests during the Kirk event, according to Del Rey Sierra Vola. Reports that the Traditionalist Worker Party, an extremist political party, would attend to join counter-protesters circulated earlier that week. Some counter-protesters were heard yelling, quote, Jews will not replace us, and seen making the Hail Hitler sign. One member of the counter-protesters held a flag with a white power cross, a symbol used among Nazis. One student present at the protest, Allie Price, said that she saw members of the Traditional Workers Party present. Yeah, I saw some violence with the uh, neo-traditional workers. Uh, they definitely got hit in the face a couple times, punched. There was mace and like flashlights being thrown. Um, somebody got hit in the leg really hard. Um, but I was kind of staying farther away because I don't, I don't want to. I didn't come here to violently protest. I just wanted to come and stand my ground as a, as a fellow student. A man who represented John Brown Gun Club, aka Redneck Revolt who wished to remain anonymous, was also present during the confrontation following Kirk's speech. He said there are a lot of racist groups that associate themselves with Turning Point USA. Uh, well, the white supremacists came through uh, chanting blood and soil and you will not replace us, much like they did in Charlottesville. And we decided to replace them and move them off campus, move them away from anybody that they might be putting at risk. Um, they're dangerous people. They have a dangerous ideology predicated on murder and genocide, and they had to go. CSU President Tony Frank responded with a campus-wide email late Friday evening, stating that, quote, In a crowd this size, where emotions are running high and various groups arrive with a goal of violence to spread their fear, 
It's sad but not unexpected to have some level of conflict. But we had a solid security plan in place and it worked well to minimize any violence. No injuries are reported to CSUPD related to the Kirk event, protests, or clash. Later reports came in that a CSUPD officer had been injured in an unrelated incident. This news report is brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. I'm Seth Bodine. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. Awesome job, Seth. Awesome. Great field reporting. I felt like such a little proud mom while we were <laughs> while we were we were working on re- like editing it and stuff. It was it, it came out really well. After that, <laughs> I, I feel like he's earned the title field reporter. Yeah, I did a great really, job. It really sticks. But let's just move on to the conversation, the Charlie Kirk protests and everything. Seth, you actually went into the speech, correct? Uh, right. Yeah. It was can you kind of can you kind of talk about his speech and like what the kind of what the mood mm. inside the building kind of was like? You know, I think overall, uh, in the speech um, outside, uh, I got there about four thirty, uh, where protesters were there. there. I'd say it gained about um, about a hundred people total. Um, uh, and even the people in the line, um, it, it was overall really mellow and calm for the most hmm. part. Um, it didn't, even I, the people I talked to in the line who were attending the event um, were also, um, one person I talked to didn't really understand what the controversy was about. Hmm. And was just basically saying like, yeah, I've seen him before in Palm Beach and um, yeah, it, it, like what he says, he's smashing socialism and stuff. So, um, <laughs> so um, yeah, overall, and I, I did pop in um, a few times when he was speaking, and it seemed that he, uh, everything was pretty calm. People were just watching. I, I wasn't there for the Q&A session, unfortunately, but I, I think Charlie Kirk was just doing, like, witty retorts to The typical students, YouTube video. You know? of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just to get like sound bites and stuff. So, because um, I know I heard that he said that uh, the beginning of his speech, saying that he completely like denounces the TWP and says he has absolutely nothing to do with them, and that they're just here supporting, I guess, something that they believe is part of their ideology. Right. That, that's from what I've heard. That is what happened. Yes. Um, so, I was just kind of sitting around because um, not, not much was going on, and uh, I walked outside well i was trying to walk outside and a police officer was uh blocking the door so um what time was that around do you know that that was around 9 p.m i'd say okay Um, yeah yeah the speaking event started at around 6 30 ish Mm -hmm. um so it was just about when everyone was letting out after the q a yeah and um I guess they made an announcement in the event that there is some altercations going on. Um, mm. But I only found out from the police officer blocking the door. So yeah, I was um, I was in the station already because I was doing my show for the night. And then um, I was on another friend's show. Her Hers is from seven to nine. And then I uh, left about midway through, like around eight. And I saw I was like riding I was like riding home and then right as I was going past the plaza I noticed that there were a lot of people just like stopping and watching and it seemed pretty low-key at the moment and then right when I like stopped and looked to like look over I realized that everyone was like kind of getting like tensions were getting like kind of weird and then all of a sudden you see 
I think it was Antifa walking in yelling blood and soil. And that's what I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going home yet. <laughs> so was it was it students getting in protests or was it more of like people affiliated with Antifa and the TWP that were kind of clashing with each other? TWP and um, uh, Antifa were in, in associated groups like uh, Red Redneck Revolt and um, John Brown Gun Club. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I mean, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but how many of those people do you think even went into the speech and even heard what he had to say? Uh, none. None of them? Um, <laughs> wow. Because I, while I was there, uh, just in the plaza, just keeping tabs on everything, mm-hmm. making sure nothing was going wrong, or um, Antifa was there holding a flag um, along with uh, some people from Redneck Revolt, John Brown Club, yeah. um, all of which w- would not speak to me until... Um, the very end where I talked to that man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was, and then there was a lot of people also, a lot of, I'd say maybe like a majority of the students were there just to see what would happen mm-hmm. um, and I've, weren't protesting. I felt that a lot because I I kept seeing people walking up to me being like, what's going on? Like they didn't even know the, like the Charlie Kirk event was even happening. They kind of were just seeing that there were like police officers rolling up. Like right when I, right when I stopped, there were like three police cars rolled up. And, um, at one point they were like blasting stuff from their car, trying to get people to disperse. Um, I think you you uh, I think you used part of that soundbite where they're like you need to disperse yeah. yeah like this is not this is unlawful protesting now like get out of here um, and actually at one point I I think I mentioned this it scared me because they yelled ceasefire and I was like what no like I am not <laughs> I am not here for the ceasefire I'm here to see like the the, the protest <laughs> Tony Frank sent out that email uh, was it Monday or was it Sunday after the protest I can't remember but he said it that is. nobody got hurt during the protests but then he said but then in that report that you did said that people were throwing punches and that people were yeah. getting hit mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean did yeah. he say that to try and like not make it a big deal or why uh, why was that not like reported in his email well i think what what we think happened was no one reported injuries to csupd mm. so that's why uh del rey the public information officer is saying no there wasn't any in- injuries on both sides um but obviously when you, when you're part of a group in a violent uh altercation something like this you're not going to call the police <laughs> yeah. when you get injured um mm-hmm. but when while i was following um the fight that was going on and police were pushing them off campus um i i did see some people um getting hurt one person was bleeding from the head must have oh, really? gotten yeah i was on the ground and then um as we walked a little bit further there was another person who got hit pretty bad um so it, it, there, there was wow. several. I saw at least two people injured. So uh, there were there were a lot of altercations like going on. When you were watching that, did you f- did you ever feel that it was because it got out of control? But did it get out of control to the point where you felt threatened for your own safety or like threatened for like the majority of the people that were there, or was it more of just what we see on you know like the internet or TV of I don't know I don't know how do you how would you answer that question? I mean it, it was. <laughs> It was certainly concerning. Um, I they were moving so fast though uh, that I couldn't. I was kind of running after them, trying to figure out what was going on, and also trying to see what police were doing. They yeah. were flying drones, seeing what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh, 
kind of like batting on their shields to kind of yeah. like uh, move them westward. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say I, I felt threatened, um, but I, I was concerned about what was going on, I guess, because people were getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it was a little bit concerning. And also police did, uh, did make announcements like um, toward the edge of campus, like we cannot guarantee your safety at this point. Uh, um, they had paintball guns and so they were trying to really solve the problem. Do you think an event like this kind of deters the university from ever having somebody like Charlie Kirk on campus again? I, I don't know, because I think that on one hand, um, we're a content neutral place uh, as a university and we've from last year where that free speech um, settlement happens with the diversity grant kind of um, spurred some conversation on like, well, technically we have to have like content neutral speakers and at the university. So, you know, I, I don't think that if someone wants to bring a speaker like this onto campus, they will. Um, and then I guess there can be further pre prevention with police, but you know, even with this event, there there's only so much we can do. Yeah, because Turning Point USA, the CSU chapter, did everything that they possibly could to bring him in and say, like you know, like you were saying, they brought him in the right way. But then it's just you know, you have these hateful groups that kind of show up and. Uh, you know, I wasn't even really aware that there was a TWP in Fort Collins until like, well, like yeah. majority of people until like a week or two ago. And it is kind of a weird thought to think that those people kind of exist around where we live, especially such a great place like Fort Collins. Right. But I would like, I would, because, you know, a lot of people get banned from certain universities, like Milo's banned from certain things, Ben Shapiro, uh, Jordan Peterson can't speak at a lot of different places, but uh, I would like, I still like to see CSU invite people like Charlie Kirk on campus to, you know, to start a conversation between different people. Right. Because I, I, I don't I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Ryan Togo, Togo or something? Uh, Tuga. Tuga. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He he wrote that piece saying that like on both sides, they said they would be comf like comfortable and they're willing to start a conversation with one another on like either side. But he said that while he was at that event, nobody really tried to have like a peaceful conversation between people. But then you see... I've heard from other people that the the group raising money for the homeless people and like getting all the supplies, they were talking to people who were wearing Make America <clears throat> Great Again hats. And so, I mean, did you see like kind of conversations and dialogue on both sides from people? Yeah, from what I've heard, there is a lot of, um, from the student who I interviewed, um, she said there was a lot of debates going on on the plaza. Um, so it, it looks like, uh, from what I heard, there was, and that was some the conversation. Yeah, I mean, up till the the fight that broke out, I'd say it was pretty um, calm and uh, people debating and talking and a lot of spectators. Um, and then it slowly drained out because it was really cold outside. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I was going to say something, but well, what I'm getting from this is just like the beginning was a great kind of like a, like there was no really problems at the beginning. And there was like great conversation between students and people mm -hmm. in the community who right. want to do, have like an open dialogue. But then 
you have like these two extreme groups that kind of came and kind of like took over the entire ruined uh, it yeah the, the entire message and kind of ruined everything that that should have been about right as a peaceful protest right because yeah. yeah. i think i talked to you seth at like 7 30 and i remember you being like not much went down i was expecting yeah, no. more conflict um and I was like, well, I mean, I guess that's good that there wasn't that much conflict. Yeah, absolutely. And that was like, right. that was, and then like a half hour later, I was like, oh, okay. You know, literally, <laughs> literally when I was just leaving, it, something broke out. So, yeah. Um, and I, oh, I, I was going to say that there were the people in the conflict, I'd say only a handful of people, maybe like f- 15 to 20 people were involved, mm-hmm. maybe okay. 30. That's what it seemed like. And then there was a lot of spectators. Okay. So it was pretty on the small scale, but also um, pretty shocking overall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely sure. shocking. But I feel like just kind of going through this conversation, CSU handled it um, pretty well. And, yeah. you know, like the UC Berkeley protest, that was thousands of people. If When you're saying if only 15 people were like in an altercation, then that mm-hmm. kind of speaks to the volume of the community that we live in. Right. Well, even the Milo protest um, last year was, uh, from what I hear, it was a lot more intense than oh, yeah. what was happening. Mm. Yeah, there was no burning cars here on <laughs> campus. And there was no smashing windows. Yeah. So, no. so, I mean, props to everybody that went. I, I didn't get a chance to go. but Yeah, hopefully those injured are okay, though. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the police officer who got injured. Driving oh, yeah. away, right? In a an unrelated, unrelated. Yeah, the <laughs> slipped on there ice. Was, I guess there was yeah. a lot of ice on campus. <laughs> yeah, but still, yeah, Speeding speedy through. recovery. <laughs> well, I think that's going to uh, end the roundtable. That was a good, that was a good talk. It's good talk, guys. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're going to go on a really quick break, but we'll be back here with weather and a sign off. Um, yeah, stay tuned. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on ninety point five KCSU Fort Collins. Tribal Rights Custom Tattoo, Piercing, and Body Jewelry is a proud underwriting sponsor of 90.5 KCSU. Located at 628 South College Avenue, Tribal Rights is open noon to 10 p.m. Monday through Saturday and noon to 7 p.m. on Sundays. More information can be found at tribalrightstattoo.com. KCSU thanks Tribal Rights for their underwriting support. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Um, Well, we're finishing up here, but uh, we have to go into everyone's favorite segment. There's only one thing to talk about now, and that's weather. Come on. We (laughs) had a plan. I was going to signal with my hands. It's radio. No one can see the hands. (laughs) I can't see the hands. There's a a computer in the way. I went like this. You're sure. It's just gone. All right, J.D. Layton. Don't make me turn off your microphone. The weather. The weather. I will turn off that microphone if you keep giggling. What do we got coming up on the weather? Gabe Peterson, meteorologist of the universe. Of the universe. <laughs> that is, thank you very much. That is I really a big appreciate title right that. there. Yeah, I know. I was just granted this job. Bless. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Tuesday, the day is almost over. Uh, it's 45 degrees right now. Looks like it's going to get pretty chilly as the night goes on. It's going to get down to the low 20s. We're going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be low 20s. So it's going to be, you know, sweater weather, like I keep saying. I love it. And uh, as the day progresses, it's going to get up to 45 degrees. So Real. it's going to be. I have, a qu- I have a question. Um, 
so sweater weather seems to be to you um anything <laughs> under 55 so i would say anything under 70 degrees is sweater weather <laughs> gabe literally just wants to say sweater weather i, I love it it's the only thing i wear we our algebra should really just be the sweater weather by the neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> i like it yeah good little promo and then thursday when we have our next show it's going to be a high of 58 so it's going to be 60 still sweater weather but it's going to be partly cloudy but for the rest of the week it doesn't look like it's going to snow doesn't look like it's going to rain uh, might be a little windy on Thursday. Might be 15 miles an hour, but that's something that we've all dealt with. <laughs> Living in northern Colorado, that's something we've all dealt with. Especially, you know, I got the long hair. I got to worry about it as I walk down the street. Sometimes I'll put it up. Sometimes, I don't know. Maybe he's so much We all have our own problems. We. <laughs> Wind is isn't true. really friendly to hair. Especially no, long hair. You know, no. you're talking to the person in here that has the longest of hair. So yes, <laughs> I know of, what it's like. As of right now. As of, As right, of now. right now, I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we want to say thanks to our reporters. Um, Raven Color, I think, is the only one. Yeah, Raven Color. Uh, thank Joe you. Joe Green. Joe, yeah, Joe Green, sorry. Um, and then as well, uh, Seth Voting, thank you so much for coming on. Our field reporter, as well as doing a wonderful pre record. And. Um, I'm going to keep talking about it. We're talking about it tomorrow <laughs> We're night. We're talking about it. Um, and uh, covering the protest. So thank you for coming on. Sure thing. Um, thank you, J.D. Layton, our national news correspondent, for uh, being here. Uh, that, your work was <laughs> subpar, but you're here, so I guess we got to thank you. you. It, was very, it was very enthusiastic during the weather. I enjoyed it. Um, the weather. The sports. Um, <laughs> Gabe Layton. Gabe Layton. <laughs> You're my brother. Gabe <laughs> <laughs> Peterson, my co-host. Uh, thanks for coming on as well and uh, sticking through the weather, even though I know you hate it. Um, no problem. I enjoy it. Thank you, myself. I'm Julie Badalese. Um, you're <laughs> Where's the selflessness? It's not here. Um, anyway, we, uh, we'll we be back on Thursday, 4 to 5. Every Tuesday, Thursday, 4 to 5 p.m. We have the Rocky Mountain Review, so uh, feel free to tune back in then. Um, yeah, you have been listening to the Rocky Mountain Review only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.